Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is sponsored by Matt Rock, Murat Verdi, and Nicholas Payton. This is episode 315. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They're online at respectsextet.com. Coming up, if you're listening to this in real time in 2011, coming up this Tuesday, October 11th, the Respect Sextet is playing their 10th anniversary celebration show at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. And until then, you can get 50% off any Respect Sextet CD purchase or a digital download purchase, I should say, at Bandcamp. Just go to respectsextet.bandcamp.com and use the offer code TJS in the promo code box, TJS, the initials of the jazz session, and you'll get 50% off any music you buy from the Respect Sextet. So please do go there and support them. And if you're going to be in New York on October 11th, go out and see their show. It's going to be fantastic. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed the show's logo. He's online at twitter.com slash Vrabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. And thanks to All About Jazz for carrying the show. You'll find it on their website, allaboutjazz.com. And they've got a widget, and if you put that widget on your website, I will talk about you in the newsletter. So just uh, let me know you've done it, okay? Thanks. This show is member-supported, so if you like what you hear, please do become a member at thejazzsession.com slash join. You can do it for as little as 10 bucks a month or $110 a year if you want to pay all in one lump sum. And then there's levels that go up from there up to the top levels, 50 bucks a month or $500 a year. And at those levels, you'll be mentioned on every single show, like the three sponsors who I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. My guest today is Dalton Ridenauer. He's a piano player who specializes in music that you don't hear all that much anymore. And uh, I was really excited to go see him at Smalls recently. And he's got an album uh, that'll be on the way in the spring. But in the meantime, we've got some live recordings from a recent Smalls gig and from some other performances that we'll hear uh, throughout this show, starting with uh, probably one of the two most recognizable ragtime pieces ever. Here is Maple Leaf Rag.
My guest is pianist Dalton Ridenauer. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we've only we only met like a month ago or something, or a month and a half ago at another show through a, a mutual friend, and then I had a chance to see you at Smalls and was just so impressed. Uh, partly because, and I guess maybe this is a little ironic, but what you do is so fresh to my ears. You kind of being so immersed in like the contemporary jazz world in New York and to hear the kind of piano that you play. And I know you don't exclusively play the kind that I heard, but uh, maybe you could start just talking a little bit about the styles that you are conversant in and, and how you got to be that way. Cause it's doesn't seem like it's that common <laughs> anymore these days. I grew up playing ragtime piano. Um, that was actually the first, really the first music I learned uh, about six months into um, when I started playing. My parents wanted me to learn The Entertainer by Scott Joplin. So <clears throat> we got some music and I started learning it. And uh, uh, it sort of went from there. I really loved the music. So I started learning some other things, got some more music. And it just so happened that there were some festivals, uh, the Scott Joplin Ragtime Festival, actually close to where I grew up. I grew up in Missouri. So we went there and I met lots of musicians. And um, for... I would say between the ages of 8 and 16, um, I played a lot of ragtime. Uh, and early, some stride piano, but mostly uh, mostly ragtime. Like Scott Joplin, UB Blake, Joseph Lamb, that sort of material. A little bit of boogie-woogie, too. Um, I, I touched on improvising when I was young, um, but uh, uh, I didn't do a lot of it. You know, just, and those styles are more repertory. Right? Everything's written out. There's uh, a defined part, or is that not? Yeah, game? for the most part. I mean, I I would improvise, you know, rhythmically a little bit, and sometimes sure. just put flourish. But it was mostly written out. Um, and so I ended up. I tr actually traveled around the country to different festivals and stuff when I was a kid, playing ragtime. Um, did so, you have any conception at that point of where, like, first of all, how anachronistic that was and where kind of in the scope of the music that style fit? No, I had no idea. Sure. <laughs> it was music that I liked, and so I played it. And you knew a lot of people who played it also? And, so, and yeah, 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 of course, because it's a small, there's actually a scene, there's a ragtime scene, and so I got in on that, and um, then they invite. I was one of a few young people <laughs> playing the mu music at that time actually now there are quite um there are quite a number of people playing and i, th I think youtube has maybe helped get people get younger people involved into playing that music sure um so anyway uh so uh, around the time i was 16 uh, i i think i heard art pepper <laughs> was the first jazz recording or well you know, in a more modern style sure. that I actually heard. And uh, I was playing the saxophone in the band, so and I loved it. So I started checking out Charlie Parker and obviously <clears throat> all of the other jazz greats from that time. And I played in, in the jazz band, and I decided, oh, I love this. This is, this is what I want to do. And, and I got away from the ragtime stuff and started learning Oscar Peterson and <laughs> that sort of thing. And then I went to Berkeley studied music there and the the whole time i i was on the track you know i was studying brad meldow I was studying 
um, a lot of modern stuff, and um, which was great. I'm really glad that I went through that time and explored that music because it opened my mind um, to other things. Because <laughs> when I was when I was young, I was you know very just straight ahead, you know, swinging type of stuff. Then I went to Eastman for grad school in Rochester, which you're familiar with, obviously. Yeah. And um, I studied with Harold Danko there, and he he knew that I played ragtime or that I had a history of playing this stuff. I played a little bit of it in my audition there, and um, he really encouraged me to start to actually cultivate that and to, you know, Why? to explore it. Um, for a number of reasons, one of them being that not a lot of people play it. And, um, also it's harmonically, it's, um, it's, it, it's a lot different than, you know, uh, where you go when you're playing more modern stuff. Um, you do different things. Well, I guess I should say it's just, it's a foundation, it's a foundation on all of that other stuff. And um, so I think he saw the value in that, you know, that it could maybe help my my uh, jazz piano trio playing or whatever. So, yeah, I kind of started dabbling in it again. Then I eventually moved to New York and um, I wasn't I, I stopped playing the piano for about three years. I mean, I didn't stop playing, but I wasn't playing out or anything. I just kind of took a break. Um, which was good, actually. <laughs> and then recently, in the past year and a half, I've come back to it and with fresh ears, music in general, with fresh ears. Um, and it's been really great. And um, I've decided that I love playing ragtime and stride piano. And a good friend of mine <laughs> turned me on to James Booker, who's a great New Orleans pianist. And so I started studying that stuff. And I'm right where I'm at now is, um, I'm coming to a point where I'm sort of melding the two, um, melding James P. Johnson with James Booker and, uh, and Jelly Roll Morton and kind of all of those styles together. It's, it's, it's really, really fun.
you know, you're not the first person to go through, uh, you know, kind of the, the regular, you know, kind of high school, music school, grad school thing, and then come out of that and decide that you need a hiatus. I've had other people say to me that for a while they just needed to kind of be away from the music so that mm-hmm. they could start listening to it again. Was that kind of your experience? Or? Absolutely. It was, um, that's not the reason that I did it. I mean, I think I did it for, you know, I was probably a little burnt out. Sure. I was probably maybe just not wanting to hustle or scared of the scene, you know, yeah. all sorts of reasons. New York is, it's very competitive here and, you know, I came, but then when I got here and I was just kind of like, I don't know what to do, <laughs> you know? And, um, so, uh, but it was, yeah, it was really, really good because I think I, well, you know, as you get older, you start caring less about what other people think. And so when I came back to it, I was like, well, if I'm going to come back to this, I need to be just playing stuff that I love. And I naturally gravitated toward these styles of playing. And, um, you know, I, I started, started working on it and, and, um, playing out a little bit. And when I did that, I found that there's actually a lot of people in New York playing the style of music more, more than I thought. There's, there's a whole scene. And, um, that, little uh you know little uh sorry that lit a fire in me um just you know knowing that there are other people doing it too and it's like okay well i'm not alone yeah (laughs) you know i'm not gonna be some outcast or something i mean it's good to have a niche but you know it's nice not to be the only one in that well it's nice to know that people are going out to hear this kind of stuff exactly um that and, and i think it's it's coming back a little bit sure you know so. Can you help us define some terms, uh, ragtime and stride, and how mm-hmm. what how they differ and what their kind of core components are? Yeah, ragtime um, is uh, they're both swinging, but a lot of uh, ragtime can actually be fairly straight and sound more of a, in the kind of classical vein. Um, it just depends on what you're playing. If you're playing like the maple leaf rag, obviously that is um, not that that's that's something that you know people would dance to sure um but then there are some pieces that are that are much um much more straight but essentially the left hand um <clears throat> the, well basically the piano serves as the orchestra and the left hand you know serves as like the bass note and then the and then the uh the chord so like if you ha- if you had a band playing Right, you might have the tuba playing the bass notes on one and three, sure. like boom, boom, right? And then you would have other instruments maybe playing a chord to counteract that. And so you do that in the left hand in ragtime. And then there's syncopation that goes along with it, um, which um, honestly, I have never tried to explain syncopation to somebody but anyway <laughs> it's syncopated music accents that don't it, fall just right on the one two three four there yeah it's like there's that. a there's a you know a back and forth between the right and the left hand and um so uh stride piano comes from that but uh the the left hand i will actually both both hands do different things. The left hand, it plays. Uh, first of all, you you don't play octaves um, on the bass notes. A lot of times, you'll either play tenths or you'll play just a single 
um, note in the left hand, and uh, sort of f- fills it out okay. in a way, especially when you play tenths. Um, and the left hand actually plays a walking bass line a lot of times. So instead of root five, root five, root five, like what you hear a lot in ragtime, or or you'll have root five and then maybe some inversion of that. Um, but it's generally jumping, you know, uh, uh, down a fourth, like, yeah, down a fourth, I guess. Um, but in stride, you might actually create a bass line uh, like you would hear a walking bass play. Okay. So, um, you know, if you're going from the one to the four, you might, <laughs> instead of, you know, root five, root five, root, and then maybe walk up to the four with octaves, you know, you might go root and then two and then sharp two and then three whenever you're playing the bass line sure. in the left hand so um that's a huge difference <laughs> and it actually it makes stride uh more difficult to play um just because you actually end up improvising these bass lines all over the place and and it it took me a while to to really get the hand handle on that that while you're also improvising with your right hand improvising with the right hand and in the improvisations and stride with the right hand i mean there, there's all sorts of stuff but it's definitely more in the jazz vein it's swinging um and there are a lot of thirds so you'll hear stride pianists they'll go way up high and they'll do these really complex maneuvers with thirds um you know descending and um yeah, it's sort of a it's a language on its own, and popular players include James B. Johnson, Fats Waller, um, Willie the Lion Smith. Art Tatum played stride. When you hear some of Art Tatum's earlier stuff, you hear you really hear that he came from that. Sure, um, the, everything's less broken up. Um, so, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it has always seemed to me, and I just have kind of a cursory knowledge, but that. That in ragtime, the names we tend to know are the names of composers, and in stride, the names we tend to know are the names of players. Is that an accurate, like, you know, like, oh, I don't know if I that's I never really thought about that, but yeah, you're right. Because a lot of the, well, the, 
James P. Johnson and Fats Waller composed, but sure, they also sure, played a lot yeah. of standard tunes. But you never hear about Scott Joplin playing. Right, I don't you know, think of him as a piano virtuoso, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just think of his music. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a very good point. Yeah, the ragtime. I mean, the sort of big three ragtime composers were Scott Joplin, um, Joseph Lamb, and James or uh, James Scott, and um, all wrote beautiful music. But I never actually heard of you know them just showing up and playing a party or something. Right. You know, <laughs> what what was that music written for? Was it music for like concert music or was it dance music or? A Dance music, I think. I, I'm honestly not a big historian. I, sure. I don't read. I haven't read a lot about it, but um, yeah, I think it was primarily dance music. I mean, you had you had a lot of um, bands playing it as well, um, ragtime bands, and so you know you have a, have an event and a ragtime band, and people would do cakewalk or that sort of thing sure. so and actually at these festivals that I go to sometimes they have bands that come and they'll have you know ragtime dances and stuff and everybody dresses up and cool. has their <laughs> umbrellas and things it's pretty cool that's great mentioned that you know during your berkeley time for example mm -hmm. um you were studying names that are much more current yep. than the ones you just mentioned and when you decided now recently to kind of return to these older styles uh -huh. what do you take from the opening of your ears and the opening of your kind of harmonic palette that you can apply to what you're playing now a really big thing i took from it is just the swing feel and and focusing on that Fo focusing on um, uh, making the music feel good because that's a big that's a big part of you know when you study jazz is make it swing make it feel good and um, I remember when I was growing up playing ragtime music nobody talked about that that much it was more about the language you know or, or this piece can you play this piece right. or you know and um and coming back to it from having that, the jazz background, I f <laughs> I'm like, I want to learn the language, but I also want to make it feel really good too. I want to make it bounce. I want to try to make it swing. Yeah. And um, so that combined with, I just, I think being more open harmonically, you know, sometimes I'll throw in things that aren't stylistically, you know, what would have been played, but I don't really care about that. It's more, it's more about the, 
you know, the feeling that you get from that music. I mean, that music has a certain vibe and I don't think you necessarily have to, you know, play only that language to create the same vibe. So, yeah, I mean, I think just being open to those ideas. I mean, Marcus Roberts is a perfect example. Uh, he plays Scott Joplin. He has a Scott Joplin album and, uh, he does all sorts of stuff with it, but the vibe's still there. I mean, you, you still get that, you know, that ragtime bounce whenever you hear him play. Yeah. And, um, so it's cool. It's cool to hear that stuff. When I, uh, when I saw you at Smalls and, uh, and I really want to go see, you've also mentioned some other, other places where this music is going on that we can talk about in a minute. But when I saw you at Smalls, there was a good crowd and it was so obvious just how much fun everybody in the room was having. I mean, it was just you for most of the time, although there was a, a vocalist we can mention too who joined you, but, but I mean, people were just smiling and just eating it up. And I thought, you know, how a, a thing that has really struck me recently about the jazz shows I go to is kind of how infrequent that is, that people mm-hmm. are really like smiling and not feeling the need to be serious or to, it's not that it's not serious music, but, mm-hmm. but that it just brings out some kind of inner joy that just yeah. seemed to kind of come right out of people very quickly. Well, I mean, I think there's something about music that makes you want to dance that makes people happy. I think because when I listen to Oscar Peterson, that, you know, that gives me the same feel, but it's, it's swinging. It's, it's something that I could dance to. And, um, so I, I think, you know, it's, it's less cerebral and more about the, about the feel and the vibe. And, um, that's probably why people enjoy it. Um, I, you know, I, I love a lot of the modern jazz stuff and, and, um, and what's going on. But yeah, when I, when I hear that stuff, it takes me to a cerebral place Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to this sort of like visceral, I want to, you know, get up and, and dance around place. And salsa music's the same. I mean, you know, hip hop, all that stuff. It makes you smile when you hear it because yeah. it feels good. And, um, so I think that's why, why people love it. Uh, and it's something they haven't heard much, you know, I think <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's surprising. People, people don't expect to hear stride piano Yeah, or, or even New Orleans, even New Orleans piano. Some of the New Orleans stuff I play, I mean, you, you don't hear, at least here, I don't hear it that much. Obviously, down in New Orleans, it's probably more common. But yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of New Orleans piano, and I listen to WWOZ all the time. And yeah, uh, when and whenever they have the, you know the piano night every year, I'm always yeah. glued to it from start to finish. And yeah, it's I I totally love how how much that is not looked at as just some kind of like repertory experiment, but how much it is really it really feels like kind of organic party music. Just like mm-hmm. anything else, even though it's just a person and a piano, which I think, I think in a lot of the jazz world we've come to expect is more like a recital and less like a less mm-hmm. like a party or some kind of emotional, visceral, emotional experience. Like yeah. Talking about. Well, I've been to a lot of concerts. I've played concerts on a stage, um, playing ragtime or playing New Orleans piano, and it's it's okay, but it's not the same as playing in a bar right or even playing at smalls smalls is great it's intimate you know it's a place where you're sort of on the same level and um that's 
I, I think that makes that music better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, there's it 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 takes it beyond some sort of exercise in language, you know, to, oh, hey, I'm actually, you know, creating some sort of energy here that um, that people are going to respond to. They might dance to, you yeah. know, I'm giving them a, an experience, you know, I'm not just saying, hey, look, I can play this piece by James P. Johnson. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's great and all, but what's better is if you make people feel good right. with it. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's why I love it. I, I, it makes me feel good too. When I play it, I'm just as happy as a clam because it, it just, it's so much fun to play. And, um, so <laughs> it's kind of like, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess I might as well keep why, doing this. Why, why wouldn't I do this? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't make sense. And it's funny thinking back to when I went to Berkeley, I think my heart told me to just keep playing Oscar Peterson. Really? I mean, that's what I really loved to play at that time. Or Nat Cole, or swinging piano trio stuff. Loved yeah. it. But I kind of got away from it because it wasn't popular. And um, But, you know, I guess that's part of being young. You, <laughs> you, you sort of follow the train for a while and then... At some point, you you jump off and do your own thing. Yeah. And so I'm doing it now. Has it been easy to find people to study with who are conversant in stride and ragtime language? I've never tried to find somebody to oh, study really? with. Oh, really? Okay. No. Um, not that that would be a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've thought about studying with a New Orleans pianist, maybe finding someone who, you know, um, is really inside that stuff. I think that would be that would be good. But I've never, yeah, I've never really thought about studying with someone solely for that i actually haven't studied with anybody since i left grad school so when so. you just developed when you were working on that language initially as a, as a kid you were doing it from recordings and sheet music how, how were you yeah. making sure that what you were doing was kind of authentic <laughs> in terms of the language um i really wasn't trying to make sure of anything i was just playing <laughs> yeah i i just, 
my I took piano lessons from great teacher back in my hometown, and um, you know, it, but we were doing classical piano, you know, exercises and stuff like that, and and uh, but she was, you know, she also encouraged me to play play this stuff, but she wasn't necessarily versed in it, so it was actually maybe. You know, she helped me a little bit with some things, but it was probably at that time better that I just listened to recordings. I mean, I started going to these festivals and stuff, and I listened. I got re- recordings of people who were, you know, I I liked, and so I'd imitate them, um, and that's how I learned. But uh, yeah, never really, never really took stride piano lessons. Given how kind of rhythmically specific and how specific the bass lines are in the kind of piano you play. Can you do it with a rhythm section or is it really designed to be played on a solo piano? Um, you can. Yeah, sure. Well, playing, doing it with a bass player is a little more tricky, but you can. I mean, I go down and play at Mona's on Tuesdays sometimes and they have a bass player there and it's, it's fine. You know, it's, I guess, I mean, in in that sort of setting, if you're playing a bar or something, it doesn't, the sounds don't clash because you don't hear the bass piano as much while everything else is going on. If you're sure. doing a recording, it's probably a little trickier. I've never really tried it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you, you can totally play, I mean, particularly with drums, you can play with drums or you can play with washboard, um, which I love. I love playing with washboard players or tap dancers. That's something I haven't done, but... Um, you know, and singers, and other, sure. but the the bass is yeah. Playing with a bass player is tricky. Will you talk about Mona's and some of the other places where this music is happening in New York? I didn't even know these places existed until you first told me about them. So I'm, I'm sure many other people are the same. Yeah, so Mona's they have a session every Tuesday night, and um, which is on that's 14th and Avenue B here in New York. 14th and Avenue B. And, um, it's from 11 till four in the morning and it's a party. It's really fun. And a lot of amazing musicians come out and play it. There's some stride piano that goes on in between things there. I mean, you know, most of the piano stuff that's being played is stride behind everything, but there's, um, you know, it's a lot of old tunes from like the twenties and stuff. Ain't she sweet? Um, Sweet Sue, stuff like that. Sure. And um, a lot of amazing musicians come out. Vince Giordano's band plays on Tuesday nights, and sometimes guys will come down from that after the gig and and play. Uh, So it's really, really fun. (laughs) And do musicians play there whose main jobs are playing in other styles, and they come and do this too? Or is there really enough work in those? Uh, It's a mix, I think. Yeah, I think there are some people there who... Primarily, primarily play this stuff now. I think um, I know the pianist, the, the in the house band there. He plays. Uh, I think he plays for dance for swing dancers a lot. Oh, okay. Like that's his his thing, and it's, so his kind of niches. Yeah, <laughs> he goes around and plays these swing festivals and stuff like that. So, so yeah, there are some people doing that, but I think a lot. I mean. You know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> Musicians have to take take gigs that they can get. So sure. I think everybody's kind of playing a lot of different stuff. So besides Mona's, are there other places where uh, this kind of piano is being played? Um, well, let's see. We There's a jam session at Fat Cat. I think it's been going once a month. It's run by Terry Waldo, who's um, 
another great ragtime pianist. He actually was UB Blake's. He studied with UB Blake. Wow. Um, and so he has a lot of knowledge of that stuff. Um, so he runs a, a stride piano session at Fat Cat, I believe, once a month. And I don't, <laughs> I actually haven't figured out when it occurs. If it's if <laughs> it's on Sundays, but I don't know if it's every second Sunday or anyway. But that's something to watch out for. Okay. And Terry Waldo, actually, if you put him on his mailing list, um, I'm sure that he'll, you know, he sends out email uh, emails about it. Um, let's see. I've been playing a little bit at Freddie's Bar in Brooklyn. They have an old, basically any place with an old saloon-style piano, um, this stuff is going on sometimes. Um, so Freddie's Bar in Brooklyn, um, the branded saloon. Um, which is over on, I think, Vanderbilt, kind of Prospect Heights area. And um, where else? Have you ever just walked into a bar that had a piano? And that seems like one of those beautiful kind of musician's fantasies. We're like, oh, here, let me bust out some Yeah, I did that at Freddy's once. Yeah, I just walked in and I played and I got free drinks. (laughs) And it was great. That is great. Yeah, it's fun to be able to do. I mean, it's it's a party trick, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's also you know, you're providing something. Yeah, for people. Oh yeah, and it's yeah, yeah, fantastic music. I mean, it's yeah, it's more than being able to like balance a spoon on your nose or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Slightly, slightly yeah. more advanced than that. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will you talk about uh, the woman that I saw singing with you at Smalls? Who was really wonderful. Yeah. So I just met. Um, her name is Mara. Mara Kay, and um, I just met her recently at Mona's, actually, <laughs> and um, she sings a lot of Bessie Smith-type stuff, old 1920s blues, and um, in the 20s, I guess, 20s and 30s, yeah, and um, I heard her singing, I just really loved loved her voice, and she kind of goes for it. <laughs> Um, it's very raw sound. Daddy, there's a big change in your eyes. Why you don't treat me like you should a wife? Oh, you stayed out. Oh, cousin, it can 
to hear her a couple gigs that she was doing and then I got this Smalls gig and um, it was kind of like an hour and 45 minutes of solo piano maybe I can do something to break it up and so I thought about her I was like oh you know I met the singer she's awesome that would be really cool maybe we maybe we'd sound good together so we rehearsed and it was great. We connected, and and that was that was our first the first time we ever really played in public together. Oh wow! It was at Smalls. I would definitely not have guessed that. Yeah, yeah we it sounded great. Connect, yeah. yeah, we're connecting musically, so it's wonderful. And we're also playing with a, my friend Dan Wrights, who I've known for a long time. Um, he's a great trombone player. We're going to start pl- doing some things uh, around the city. We have a gig at Branded Saloon, I think, on, on the 19th of this of October. Um, it's That's the one over on Vanderbilt. Um, so it's going to be me, uh, her and I and, and Dan, the trombone player. Right. And it's Bessie Smith and uh, Mamie Smith and Victoria Spivey and old blues stuff. Uh, and that stuff you really don't hear very often and i'd never played it before either i was just gonna ask if that was stuff you already had in in your repertoire never yeah i never played this stuff until um i met mara and um but it's i mean it's it's sort of it's just kind of there you know because um because it really is stride piano just behind behind a vocalist and you kind of dig in a little bit more sure (laughs) So, but I'm kind of I'm I'm also combining the Jane, throwing the James Booker in there with it too. So it's 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 kind of a cool the the New Orleans combined with the stride thing behind the vocalist. It it works, I think. Yeah. So we're gonna see what happens, but we're excited to play. <laughs> That's great. So yeah. Now, uh, if I remember correctly, at Smalls, your brother was also there, and you mentioned that he's also a piano player. He is. Yep. Um, my brother is, his name's Wade. Um, he, uh, lives in New York as well and is playing around and, um, he's phenomenal. Is <laughs> he also a stride musician. and ragtime piano or is he a... He does play some of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 not as much as I do. Um, but he, he's definitely played some ragtime <laughs> and some stride. Yeah. So he actually came down and played the fat cat session the other day. Um, him and I played a little bit. But uh, he he's sort of more in the in the modern scene, and he's playing with some really wonderful, fantastic musicians around here. I just heard him the other night with Max Cudworth and Peter Schlam on Vibes. I don't know, and a couple I can't remember who I was playing, but just wonderful, wonderful music. Um, so uh, and he's doing he's a composer. He's kind of getting into doing some beats, some of the hip hop beat stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's great. I'm so glad he's here. It's nice to have family here, yeah. let alone family that's, you know, musician family. Right, exactly. <laughs> and 
it's funny because you know we both play the piano but we don't step on each other's toes at all here because we're we just kind of do different stuff and it's great yeah <laughs> you know so were your parents like musicians or did they were they just encouraging where music was concerned or? yeah uh they, they weren't really musicians um my mom played the banjo a little bit um but my grandparents were musicians. Like my, one of my grandmothers taught piano, and and um, I had a couple of grandparents who played the piano. Uh, but yeah, they weren't musicians, but they were very encouraging. So we were we were lucky to have that um, because I was I'm from the country out in the rural Missouri, and um, yeah, I think for my parents to be cool with me you know, moving away to Boston on my own when I was 18 years old to study music, you know, it's when you're, when you're out in the country, <laughs> it's, it's a little scary. Sure. You know, it's scary to make that move because it's very unknown. Um, so of course, I guess it would be scary if you grew up in New York all the time and then you move it out into Rocky mountains or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that would be scary too. <laughs> so anyway, but, uh, yeah, they were very encouraging, and my mom hooked up all sorts of shows and stuff for me when I was a kid. I mean, the reason I... She was a big reason that I got to travel around, because I definitely was not... I didn't sell my music at all. I just kind of played, and it was fun, but you know, I wasn't trying to hobnob with anybody. Sure. Get, get some career going or anything like that, which... Uh, Thinking back to it, it probably wouldn't have been a bad idea, but that's where I was at the time. So, um, so yeah, they were very encouraging. My grandparents also very encouraging. Are there still new things for you to learn in these styles? Are you still discovering things you didn't know or, or ways to approach them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> speaking of that, th this is a big thing that I've sort of uh, come to learn especially after taking the break, I think, from music, is I, I realized that before I was just sort of mimicking other players. Mm. And so instead of really getting inside what they were doing, I would just kind of mimic it. So I would mi kind of mimic Oscar Peterson. And so, you know, I could kind of sound like Oscar Peterson or sound like James P. Johnson and, and play in those styles. But coming back to it, I've started really trying to learn what they're playing and, and, and to think, try to think like them. Mm -hmm. And, um, not that I want to play, I don't want to sound like, you know, I want to be Oscar Peterson or be James Hugh Johnson, but it's sort of taken me to another level underneath this stuff. And I realized that I didn't know what Oscar Peterson was playing at all. When I was first studied, I, I, I got it all wrong, <laughs> you know, because I wasn't really trying to, to learn what he was doing and the same with James P. Johnson. So now I'm starting to do that. And, and how do you, how do you do that? How do you engage in this kind of deeper inspection of the music? I, I transcribe, mm. but I don't transcribe whole things necessarily. I don't transcribe a whole piece. I'll, I'll pick, um, bits of language or like a passage and, um, I'll just really try to get inside that. And then I'll take that and, try to improvise with the, with that same sort of idea. Sure. And which, I mean, this is jazz musicians do this, but I think some people, um, do it better at a younger age. I think some people actually get inside it sooner. Um, I think it took me a while 
to to understand that I needed to do that to actually start to sound the, for my sound to to start getting better. Um, so, uh, and yeah, so what's the what's it. the effect of this exploration for you now that you're doing this? What what changes is it causing to happen in your own playing? I'm becoming more melodic. I'm using the piano more. I ne- I never really realized how much uh, Oscar Peterson or Art Tatum or James P. I never really realized how much they use the piano. You know, they don't stay right here. It's they use it. And Art Tatum will play a chord way up here and then jump down and play a bass note, a single bass note, like all the way at the bottom of the piano. And it, that is so effective. It's a, it's, but it's something I never really noticed because I was I wasn't thinking about those sort of things. You know, I was like, oh, this line, this run, or whatever. You know, so um, yeah, I started using the piano more. I think my time is starting to get better. I've always not I I haven't had great time in the twenty years that I've played. <laughs> Um, so that's getting better. Um, yeah, things are, things are just becoming, they're becoming more solid, solidified, I guess. And I have a long way to go though. I mean, I'm sort of, I I feel like I'm starting over in a lot of ways and, uh, but it's good. The James Booker stuff surprisingly is coming out. I feel it's, it's coming out better than, um, than any of the other stuff. And I think it's because I'd never played it before at all. So <laughs> when I went into it and started learning it, it was just from scratch. Right. It was nothing I, to unlearn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't have all these bad habits with it. I mean, I probably already have 50 bad habits with it now, <laughs> After, but you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Are you looking toward recording an album of, uh, I am. Covering this music? So, um, I'm planning to record one in the spring and I'm not sure what I'm going to put on it yet. It was originally just going to be stride and ragtime, but now that I've been playing some of this new Orleans stuff out, I've been playing with Mara a little bit. Um, you know, it might be a little, it might kind of encompass all that stuff. Sure. Um, so, but it's definitely going to be in that vein. It's going to be a solo piano album, maybe with some other stuff thrown in. Um, that's the first thing I want to do. Um, I think it's, I've been waiting, I've been putting it off for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so now I think I'm I'm ready to do that. That's great. So. Well, my guest is pianist Dalton Ridenauer, and uh, it's been a pleasure to, to get to know you and, and to hear your music, and I, I hope to hear a lot more of it uh, as the years go on. Thank you for taking the time to do the show. Hey, thanks for having me.
music from Dalton Reidenauer. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, sponsored by Matt Rock, Murat Verdi, and Nicholas Payton. Thanks to you for listening. Remember, this is a member-supported show. The way to keep it going is to become a member. You can do it cheaply. Just go to thejazzsession.com slash join and become a member. You can also make a one-time donation there. And uh, if you're going to do that, if you'd like to do something maybe in the five or six figures, that would certainly take a lot of pressure off me. And now, if you would, get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. 